Hello and welcome. I'm Jonathan Beale, and this is the ASB Investment Podcast, a show that keeps you up to date on the market and helps you make smart choices with your investments. With the unemployment rate falling to 4%, Chris Tennant-Brown is back to talk about whether he sees this rising again or is the worst behind us. We also chat about the impact of the latest Auckland lockdown and how low we could expect interest rates to go. These are entirely our own views. It's not investment advice, but we know plenty of experts at ASB that will be happy to chat if you need. Hey, morning, Christopher. How are you? Good to talk to you again. Oh, morning. Still, um, still, still stuck at home, but um, I'm, I must say I'm pretty excited about um, changes of alert levels these days if it means that I get to uh, get out and about. And I, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but I can't wait to get back into the office for a bit of uh, face-to-face contact with, uh, with friends and colleagues. I'm the same. I've not really enjoyed this level three. I think I was all right last time. This one I found, I found quite, quite difficult. And um, and so yeah, come the come next week when we can um, uh, go to level two and do what we uh, get a little bit more normal. I think will certainly help the um, how I'm feeling and the sort of my my mental well being and also my uh, liver's well being as well because that seems to be taking a bit of a hit at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, I must say I was a bit embarrassed putting the wheelie bin out uh, this 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 fortnight, and uh, I definitely need to offset it with some exercise. Yeah, you, 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 certainly the uh, when the machine comes along and picks up the wheelie bin and dumps it, there's lots of uh, bottles and banging and glass being smashed, and probably more than normal. Hey, that's one of the. Uh, but we're, we're helping keep the economy going uh, for the, for the um, alcohol economy going, which is uh, which is probably a good thing. But, um, that's but right. We should probably talk a little. Exactly. So we're in level three, and I suppose um, we saw certainly sort of the impact of uh, at level four, level three last time, and then obviously level two. But like, how how is the how is the sort of level three and in Auckland lockdown affected affected the wider economy? Do you think? Well, I think um, level. Uh... Level three is an awful lot better than level four in terms of the ability to get go out and do things. You know, things like builders can keep going and and so forth, uh, and more shops can stay open. But uh, we still calculated that this was costing hundreds of uh, millions per week um, for us to be locked down. Um, but it's interesting because it's come at a time when a lot of the other things, uh, in terms of the economic recovery over the um, second quarter of the year, we're going better than um, better than we expected. So when we look at our um, our year end forecasts, um, they're not much different uh, now compared to um, what we were what we were thinking prior to um, you know prior to this this latest uh, lockdown. So we were having some good things as well as this latest bad thing. So we still think we'll end up the year with the economy about six percent smaller. Um, and the unemployment rate higher. But even on that front, we got a quite a big surprise that the labour market data that came out over the last couple of weeks has actually been quite a bit better than we, uh, than we expected. So um, the, answer, the answer is it is having a negative impact on the economy, but we're probably at a slightly better starting point uh, when we went into this lockdown than what we were, what we were thinking would be, and when you and just out of interest, when you say sort of you know we've worked out we're losing you know hundreds of millions a day, like how, as an economy, how, how do you how do you can you give us some insight on how you actually do that? Like, 
Yeah. What are you um, looking at? With, with the with the economy, we get um, we get lots of granular data about um, about activity, and um, we we sort of build up economic activity um, by looking at all the various sectors and and. We can look at things like our own credit card data to see what sort of a hit, say, for example, the, um, the hospitality sector's taking. Um, and, and we look at things like um, people movements um, using Google to, to think, okay, what's this doing for the um, for people's activity and, and, and for transport activity? Um, so we use all sorts of bits and pieces to try and come up with these uh, with these numbers, and um, I don't sort of uh, die in a ditch whether the numbers um, three hundred million uh, or four hundred million. They're big numbers, and so it's trying to work out um, is this really significant over the long run, um, and uh, and can we afford to be doing these doing do, subsidising the sort of loss of activity. Um, but uh, yeah, we d- we do it by looking at all sorts of data, and then and then to uh, uh, you know, being honest, taking as best and most informed guess as we can about uh, what it all means. And um, so we we don't always get it right. And for things like the labour market, we love when we get it wrong, and it's telling us that the economy was going better than we expected. So um, yeah, we often get and surprised what, what, by the actual outcomes of data. Exactly. And what what were some of the reasons around the unemployment? What was what was better than, or particular industries that were better than we uh, than you thought? Well, the I, the main story in the uh, in the unemployment rate, which is still sitting around four percent, didn't bounce up to six percent um, like we thought it would. Um, and and this comes down to definitions a little bit. Um, the uh, there's a lot of people that are that are still employed, but on a subsidy. Um, so they, you know, would think that they are actually unemployed, um, but they technically still are employed um, if their employer is paying them the 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 wage subsidy, and and so that feeds into it. But there's literally hundreds of thousands of people in that situation that aren't working, um, that are getting a subsidy. But within the labour market statistics, they are counted as employed. Um, where it's where you probably see the the devastating impact of the lockdown is something like the hours worked figure, which actually does try and estimate how many hours are people working. And hours worked has fallen by about ten percent, um, as some people literally can't work, and other people like uh, you and I are still working, but just from from home over the uh, the period of the lockdown. So there's a bit of measurement stuff going in there, but there's still some 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 stats and particularly their hours worked statistic um change of change of pay which were pointing to the to the big downturn that we know we've happened we've had. Um but it was a better than expected starting point and um we still think the unemployment rate is 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 heading north and and heading up to um to 7% or so over the next couple of quarters um, but we thought it would be um, we thought it might be there uh, or getting pretty close to there already but these uh, these subsidies are uh, are keeping it down and, and importantly keeping money going into people's pockets yeah and I was trying to re- I, was, I was trying to remember way back when I did economics at school and university and uh, just shows how long ago because I can't really remember but there is a there is a a particular level of unemployment that actually is a good level, isn't it? Was it is am I right in saying that? Because like there's we don't actually want zero unemployment uh, from an economic point of view. 
Well, I guess from a, it, it, it depends on, on, on what you're talking about. There's a, there's a, there's kind of a natural rate of unemployment within an economy, which, um, which you'd always accept as people move from one job to another. Yeah. And things like seasonal workers, for example, are, um, are always going to be unemployed at the end of the season, um, but hopefully not for too long while they get into another job. So, so there's a there's a there's a rate that you'd um, ex- accept, um, and and here would probably target something like a four percent unemployment rate. We'd start to think the labour market's actually getting pretty pretty tight at that sort of level of unemployment. Um, and and so so that's where we are right now. Whereas um, we'd think seven um, percent is is a uh, is a lot of unemployment. Um, whereas in the past those numbers have had much wider ranges. There's a period in New Zealand's time where no one was effectively counted as being unemployed, um, and the unemployment rate at at, at bad periods was up uh, 10 percent. It's helpful because it gives a bit of context, really. I suppose that if you say four percent is about yeah, three or four is about right. You suddenly get up to seven or eight. That's like double what you what you'd want and stuff. So you can see actually how that will have an impact on 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 the economy here. Absolutely, and 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 so does the uncertainty of just not um, not getting as much work as you as as you want. So, so the underemployment rate or under underutilisation rate is a, is an issue as as well, and uh, and that's that's tracking higher at times times like this and. Uh, I keep I keep falling back to use my partner as an example, who is a flight attendant and now works in a rest home part time. You know, so she's employed, uh, but she'd be loving to do more work, and uh, and so she's in that underemployment uh, uh, sort of line of thinking, where she'd like to do forty hours a week. She's only doing twenty hours a week, and there's a lot of that going on in the labour market at the moment too. So there's all sorts of moving all sorts of moving parts. Yeah, because I'm seeing it in sort of the insurance side of the business as well, where, you know, the reinsurance costs of uh, getting redundancy cover have almost tripled um, mm. over a short space of time. So we're seeing more claims, and then obviously the outlook for more, for redundancies is, is much higher. So you're starting to see it in lots of different places where it may not have actually arrived here today, but it's certainly that can has maybe been kicked down the road a little bit, but certainly going to start playing out after we get out of, out of level three, back to two, we start to see the wage subsidy finish and all that type of stuff. I think that's when the reality is really going to hit, isn't it? Yeah, and and there's still there's still this big um, missing part of the economy, which is the um, which is the international component, the um, the tourists and the uh, international students, and that will be the bit that that keeps us at this ninety five percent economy for quite a while, and. I guess that's the disappointing thing over the uh, over the last few months is that uh, that travel bubble just looks further further away. So while we've had some things which have gone well, um, this latest uh, outbreak uh, and and combined with the one in Australia um, is just showing how hard to get those travel bubbles are going to be. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned travel bubbles because. Um... I suppose that we were we were planning, weren't we, to get our own little um, travel. Um, we were going to fly from Auckland to Tauranga, and you were going to fly us. And level level three then stopped it. So there, there was the end of our little travel <laughs> our travel bubble. But sort of wider travel bubbles to Australia or to the Pacific Islands are these actually realistic? Uh, 
idea now or, or they just just don't seem to it just seems too hard doesn't it Oh, I think the I, I think with outbreaks like this, it just pushes it even further down down the road. If if, if both New Zealand and Australia are really trying to eliminate the the virus, um, the the borders clearly where it comes in, and and we can see how how quickly it, it spreads. I think even if there weren't uh, restrictions right now, and thinking back to your insurance comment, uh, I don't think anyone would. Or many people would want to uh, would want to travel to places like the states right now, and and I certainly think it'd be very difficult to get uh, travel insurance to cover your uh, your healthcare if you were to go there. And uh, so even even if it wasn't for the rules, the the uh, the disease itself, I think, is uh, is is making travel look really uh, restricted. And unrealistic um, in a in a large commercial scale over the over the year ahead. So within our forecasts, one of the things that we have done is we've we've factored in some of these better things like the labour market, um, but also preparing for um, slower slower recovery and things like the. Um, the, the travel sector. So that's pretty that's pretty tough news until solutions are found for education. I know they're working hard on on trying to solve that one with quarantines for students um, and things like the Trans Tasman bubble or Pacific Island bubble. I think are really really difficult right now. Um, well, we've got uh, well we've got cases still in the community. And the, yeah, that's got to be more bad news for people like Air New Zealand and and, and the airport surely. Exactly, and if we, and if we look at their their share prices, both those uh, companies have been strong performers over the years. Uh, but uh, their their share prices really show um, uh, are a barometer of 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 COVID nineteen. You know, in New Zealand, three dollars back in December, down to eighty cents in um, in March at the worst of it. Then in June, it was nearly at two dollars um, when we thought. Um, a trans-Tasman bubble looks likely, things are looking better. We were starting to travel a lot domestically. Uh, that was when we uh, probably flew down to Wellington and did our Wellington function. And then it's back to $1.40 today with this latest setback. And if you look at Auckland Airport, same sort of pattern there. So those those stocks have really um, showed the, 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 the highs when things were going really well last year and then the lows when we've been really worried about COVID-19. But hey, it's not all negative. If we look at the other end of the scale, Fisher and Paykel Healthcare, gee, that stock was fifteen dollars a um a year or so ago, and it's just under forty dollars now, and it's gone from strength to strength because it's providing solutions, um, you know, literally respirators and and equipment to help with um patients with COVID nineteen. But but it's interesting looking at these stocks that are uh, that really are a barometer of some of these themes, um, like solutions to the problem, um, or or trans Tasman travel bubbles, that sort of thing. The the, the share prices are uh, are conveying what's been going on, that's for sure. You're right as well. There's sort of maybe a third category as well. It's sort of the stocks like you talk about Fisher and Pike have done so well, and maybe A2, and and then sort of um, stocks like A New Zealand and Auckland International Airport. But there's so that sort of stuff in the middle around sort of uh, companies that have historically paid good dividends. They've seen some of those companies sort of pause their dividends or reduce their dividends uh, as you know they work their way through through COVID. That's um, and that's had an impact on their on their obviously their share price. 
Um, do you see the sort of those types of companies with uh, historically good dividends uh, still be able to do that in the future, or is, or is this is this a bit of a change that we're seeing here? I think I think companies that uh, it's understandable that most companies are um, are experiencing some fluctuations in their income streams at the uh, at the moment, and that's impacting their ability to pay a, a, a dividend in the near term. But I think over the long term, companies that pay good dividends will be really well rewarded in this economy. Uh, particularly if I think about what's happening with interest rates, uh, interest rates are getting so low. And people will want to look for a, uh, a, a an income stream. So companies that can pay a good dividend, and, and New Zealand's uh, well known for that, I think will get rewarded in the in the future and, and well supported. So I don't think that's going to be a feature of the uh, New Zealand uh, share market that disappears anytime soon, although it's, uh, it's clearly under pressure at the moment because of the economic circumstances. So, yeah. That's yep. A, that's a really Hopefully, good point. It will, uh, really they'll, good they'll they'll resume and continue in line with the uh, recovering economy. Well, I can't. We can't have New Zealand shares not paying good dividends because then I won't be able to use my three reasons why I moved to New Zealand, which was the people, the beaches, and because the shares pay good dividends. If they don't pay good dividends, then I'm out. <laughs> exactly. I'm only down. I'm down to two. What am I going to do? I need, I need a third reason. Exactly. So, that's a, we, that's that's <laughs> a good. Those are good. Those are good reasons to be here. So hopefully they'll uh, they'll continue exactly. to uh, to hold you here, JB. Exactly. Now I couldn't have a podcast and talk to Chris Tennant Brown without talking about uh, uh, interest rates and the. Uh, the sort of the gorilla in the room around negative interest rates now. And so it seems that this is sort of um, not it might happen. It's, probably, it's more like it's it's going to happen, but it's going to be about timing. Is, uh, is, uh, is, that, what you're, is that what you're saying now? That's right. Uh, we really, um, as an economics team, changed our view in, in August. And, and this was really... Um, to do with the seriousness that the Reserve Bank's talking about a negative official cash rate. And so uh, we, within their monetary policy statement and all of their communications with the banks, they've been really, really pushing hard to make sure all the bank, banks are ready for a, uh, a negative official cash rate. They're not uh, saying we're going to do it, they just want us to be prepared uh, for uh, that, that possibility. But we now think that that's extremely likely and that uh, in early t- uh, next year they'll cut the official cash rate into negative territory. And uh, we also think, that based on, on what they're talking about, is that this will go hand in hand with more funding facilities uh, for banks. So the official cash rate's just an overnight interest rate. But if we look across in Australia, um, banks can actually fund at the official cash rate for much longer terms, for three years. Um, we can get business loans uh, through a lending facility from the Reserve Bank, but we think they'll broaden that up. And that will flow directly into um, effectively the bank's borrowing costs and, and, and lower them considerably, in particular if there's a negative official cash rate. So we think all of that stuff is going to come out next year. Um, what clients want to know is what does that mean for interest rates for them? And uh, we're not expecting... Uh, Clients have to pay to have a term deposit with us, but those term deposit rates will get lower under this scenario. I'm picking uh, they'll fall well under 1% for most terms. Um, They're not far off that now. And I think mortgages can get lower too. Maybe we'll see a mortgage under 2% in in New Zealand over the next uh, 
over the next 12 months. Like you said, the timing's difficult, but we think that's, uh, that's coming. And I'm actually, uh, we've got a report up on our website about, uh, about this if clients are interested in reading about it, about the negative OCR. And then, because I, I saw an interview with um, Stephen Jay from uh, uh, Kiwi Kiwi Bank, and he he was sort of similar saying similar thing about probably seeing mortgages with a one at, one at the front, and you you'd have a similar view. Yep, that's what we're thinking. It's a it's a big uh, it's a big call, and uh, people yeah. people want to know uh, an exact sort of number. So I'm uh, I'm I'm picking that we will see a mortgage with a one at the front. But I think it'll probably be a fairly high one. Uh, but uh, but they've got a little bit to fall in this environment. But there's more you there's more moving parts than than usual to our mortgage rate forecast this time. And, and so picking the exact timing of it is, is tricky. And for people that are interested in that, just uh, keep an eye on our, uh, our regular reports that we put out and, uh, and we'll be talking about it. It is, it is constantly changing. And, and this is a pretty new thing for us to go to actually forecast a, a negative official cash rate. So one of the things I've been doing um, during this lockdown uh, is making a gigantic spreadsheet to try and work out how, how a negative official cash rate actually flows through and impacts all of our, uh, all of our products, including some of the uh, including investment portfolios, obviously, because most investment portfolios will have some cash in them. And how and how and how have you come to a conclusion on how you actually think negative interest rates will affect sort of uh, diversified portfolios going forward? Yeah, th- th- the 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 thing that we're seeing right now is, I mean, the Reserve Bank's essentially r- running a suite of 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 things at the moment. They're talking about these negative official cash rates. They're buying government bonds. They've got a record low official cash rate. Uh, setting and so th- so some of the stuff's impacting portfolios now uh, over the long run what it's what it's going to mean for portfolios is that we're going to have a few years where any cash in a portfolio is going to be very unrewarding the return on that uh, 10 years ago used to be a pretty positive contribution to a portfolio now it's going to be it's going to be next to no contribution so that'll impact the amount of cash that people want to have in their overall investments Things like bonds, uh, the capital value of bonds are really getting driven higher by the Reserve Bank's bond purchases. So that's good news for existing investors. But in the long run, it's going to mean that um, we'd expect pretty low returns from the bonds held within portfolios. And this is the weird thing for investors through all this strange news and turbulent times. Well, the shares have actually been going really well within um within portfolios and uh, the New Zealand share markets um, has pretty much recovered from the from the March dip. The US share market's trading at an all-time high now. So these things that our Reserve Bank are doing uh, in combination with the central banks and other parts of the world are actually really um, been pretty positive influence on uh, on portfolios if we look at them where they're standing today. So uh, it's certainly not all um, all negative for investors at the moment. It's really interesting. In the last, like even the last twenty four hours, I've had two sort of uh, instances where actually the the low interest rate environment, how how the, how things have changed and people's behaviour. So like the, you know because you know things were things were very different when interest rates were higher. And if the, the two instances was one was there was a piece on the news about you know share clubs and young people getting together to talk about 
the share market and how you invest and um, what type of stocks to pick and why. And it was just fascinating. And then um, yesterday morning, I was buying a, a coffee down in Devonport and there was lovely two ladies down there who were getting a coffee and one of them had a, um, a yellow umbrella. And I said, oh, is that an ASB umbrella? And we and she sort of got, well, she sort of said no, because she goes, it's a quality one. She didn't know what that meant. But uh, <laughs> she said, um, she said that um, uh, we just started chatting and uh, she goes, uh, she goes, oh, do you work for ASB? And I said, I do actually. And she goes, oh, I've got my KiwiSaver with ASB. I said, oh, that's awesome. That's great. And she goes, oh, I go, why did you do that? And she goes, well, I'd, um, I'm over 65. I didn't realize I could join. And then I found out I could join. And I had some money in the term deposit and it wasn't doing anything. And I put it into KiwiSave and it's been doing, it's been doing great. And I'm, you know, it's, it's chugging along and it's, um, I'm really happy with it. And the lady next to her said, Oh, I did exactly the same thing. And you're like, going, that, that wouldn't happen a few years ago, would it? Like people going, I'm actually going to move. I'm 65. I'm going to move out of term deposit and put something in the KiwiSaver um, and feel very comfortable and confident about it and pleased with their decision. I think that there's some very different behaviors going on with, um, with interest rates being so low, isn't it? Oh yes, absolutely, and it's really pleasing to hear people making decisions to do something longer term with their money to to generate a return. And we just simply um, didn't have to do that a few years ago when term deposit rates were so much higher. I mean, even even five years ago, people would would think, hey, if I can get five percent, that's all right. And their conversation would be about what term to take to get the best rate. Um, now, when you're talking about no rates being higher than one and a half percent, if people are taking a longer term approach and looking at different products, including KiwiSaver, it's really encouraging. And and back to your question about dividends, I know uh, our colleagues that sit uh, when, when we're not working at home on uh, the same floor of us in ASB Securities have been absolutely flat out um, with people talking about um, investing in, in, in shares um, to, to generate a, a decent dividend yield. So these low interest rates definitely are making people think more about uh, investing and, and that's, that's a really encouraging sign as long as they're making a well thought out um, sort of long term decisions because yeah. most of these products are pretty pretty long term rather than short term like a lot of people's term deposits were were focused exactly and get some and get some advice and get some guidance and and read up and you know read read a lot of stuff that you um, put out and the blogs and stuff and then make the right make the right decisions but uh, it's great to see people exactly. actually really think really really thinking about it. okay i might call it a halt there i just wanted to pick you up on one thing you did say chris that when we we're talking about mortgage rates you said it'll be one but a high one as though as though a mortgage rate that's 1.9 is still a high rate um i'm not quite sure that's what you meant but if my mortgage rate was 1.9 i'd have a big smile on my i certainly have a big smile on my face i'm sure a lot of people would but uh, <laughs> Isn't it funny that as, as mortgage rates fall, we say, well, we've got a record low mortgage rate now. And instead of going, great, yippee, I'll get into that. The question is, well, how much lower are they going to get? We always yeah, we exactly. always want to see if exactly. we can uh, we can we can we can fix at the bottom. But uh, I think the uh, the key is over the next year or so we'll see some uh, some very low rates. And uh, so for people that are in that market, it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite a booster. Fantastic. All right, lovely as always talking to you, Chris, and uh, really looking forward to um, catching up with you in level two and uh, shake hands, have a beer, and um, yeah, do go back into the office. So uh, looking forward to it. Thanks again, and uh, I'll see you shortly. Okay, bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining us today on the ASB Investment Podcast. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if there's anything you'd like us to discuss on future shows, please fire your suggestions through to podcasts at asb.co.nz.